This is Scoreline Extra, the podcast that brings you some of the best interviews that we have from our weekend show on KCLR, Scoreline. Coming up in this episode, we'll hear from new cricket Leinster Midlands Development Officer Bernard O'Mara on developing cricket across Carlow and Kilkenny. We'll also hear from the chairperson of Bagnallstown Rounders Club, Alex Clark, on the growth of the sport. Colm Cronin once again joins us from the NFL show, talking about an action-packed NFL draft. Two of Carlow Golf Club's captains, Michael Kerwin and Olive Bowden, joined us. But first, we'll hear from Kilkenny Minor Manager Mike Wall on the Camogie Association needing to look after the Minor Championship. I suppose, Shane, yeah, I, look, I don't know any more than just what was, uh, what was um, on social media last night. It's only all speculation. Um, this morning, I did speak to um, Sheila Norris, our county chairperson, and um, there has been no talk of that within the Camogie Association at the moment, regardless either it's going ahead or it's not going ahead. So, you know, unfortunately, it's we're we're, we're completely still all up in the air. Um, you know, everywhere you turn, someone else has a different story, and it's. It is worrying, I suppose, that they haven't come out and actually said, yes, we're going to proceed with it, or no, or not. But um, at the moment, um, there's what I've been led to believe is that there's no um, there's no final answer on it as, as of yet. Okay, so where did these stories then emanate from? I know that, uh, was it Her Sport, which uh, champions women's sports, hersport.ie, is, is that where the stories emanated from? I think so, yeah, and I think it's been on a few other forums as well. Look, to be honest, Shane, I suppose the underage has been kind of highlighted um, among the Camogie Association for, I suppose, the last year, really, ever since they cancelled the minor last year. And then, obviously, it was cancelled. The provincials were cancelled along with the Under-16 Championship for a second time uh, in November, December. So, um, you know, there is speculation coming on that, you know, if the... um, the season was to go the way they've said now it's going to go uh, county club county that there wouldn't be room for the minor championship so that's I suppose you know yourself you fire a a pebble into a lake it's a monsoon by by the time it gets out you know and and this national league club then back to inter-county championship it hasn't been very well received and it was voted against by up to 82 percent of the wgpa why why have they or in your opinion why have they gone against the 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 will of their members uh, that's Shane, I, I don't know. Um, and I look, yeah, I, I've seen it there. There is an awful lot of uh, people giving out about the Commodity Association at the moment. I look, I, I don't particularly want to start being one of them as well, but I, I can see the frustration on some players. Yeah, the only thing I will say, look, being devil's advocate and not taking side in either way, 82%, I think that's 82% of inter county players. That's not 82% of of club players, county players in, uh, in total. I think that's just a survey that was done by the WGPA on inter-county players, and inter-county players would have liked to have seen the, um, the club or the county championship uh, ran off before they go back to club. Um, look, there, there, in my opinion, there's, there's arguments for and against that, and I suppose no matter what way the Camogie Association done it, they were probably at a win-loss situation because how do you turn around to players in club level and say 
well, you're not going to play, you're not going to have any games now for September, which for some players could be a complete year since they hurled again. I know in, in the likes of Kilkenny, we probably would have been lucky. There is a, an all-county league that's played in, within the clubs where you don't use your county players. But um, I don't think every other county is... Um, you know, has the number of players that would be in Kilkenny to actually do that. I know for argument's sake, I spent two years um, up in Offaly there, and I don't think, there's only 10 clubs, 10 or 11 clubs in Offaly, I don't think they would have had the the, the player volume to kind of play a, a competition without their county players. Um, so I suppose for the weaker counties, we call them, um, or the second tier counties, um, it probably would have been it would have been tough. But look, there's arguments for and against it. Um, I suppose. I, I, look, the big thing I can see is the wor- one of the worst things that comes out co- comes out of this almost every year is the communication level from the Camogie Association to the to, to ground level and even to county level is shocking. You know, like the GA came out very early on in the year and said there was going to be a split season. Um, I don't even know if they've been an official announcement yet that it's from the Camogie Association that they're going county, club, county. I think that's just, that's what the word is, but I don't think they've actually been, you know, an official announcement. So, and it's, that's, you know, that's all at a minor level and an underage level that we would be looking for. We can, we can criticise the Camogie Association all we want for cancelling it last year and all like that. You know, I, in my own opinion, I think you give them a pass last year because nobody was equipped to deal with COVID-19. Nobody knew it was coming. Um, no one could be possibly equipped. And, like, I was critical myself. I was with the six teams last year. I was very critical myself when they cancelled that in December. But, like, as it stands now, there was no room to run it. But, um, like, my own opinion, cancelling minor two years in a row would be a complete and utter disaster for the development of the game in, in all counties, not just Kilkenny. And um, we've seen some return for, for different sports over the past week. Did you manage to get out yourself, or what's the lay of the land in regards to getting people back out on the pitch? Yeah, I was. we actually went back with the club minors uh, there in St. Bridget's last night. For the uh, for the first time, um, I know most clubs are are back at some at some level. Now we were only in pods of fifteen and non-contact, but like it was it was something. It was it was something great, but um, like that's the that's the worrying thing, and um, and that's why I would urge. I don't know if this will will ever reach the hierarchy of the Camogie Association, but I would seriously seriously urge them to say to look at. The, the minor championship in as a whole and the development structure as a whole in their game. Uh, if you don't, number one, if they don't look after their players, if they don't have young players coming through to play the game, they're at nothing. Like you take Kilkenny is, pr- is probably a privileged county when it comes to like this because like the minor players in the county will get a good club championship. There'll be a good standard of club championship across. A, B, C levels in Kilkenny. Every every girl will get plenty of game, but games. But you go to a county, then say like Kildare, which is not a million miles away. They've got twenty five clubs. They've got some super players up there, but they don't. They have a minor inter county team, but not. They do not have a minor club championship. 
because they don't have the numbers within the county to do so. So you take it that in that's just one county. I'm sure there's others, but you take a county like Kildare who have uh, you know a, a, a good strong Camogie County, which but has unfortunately has no club minor. You're looking at two years there that potentially players have gone without playing a game at their own grade. So I don't think it needs to be a rocket science to say for the development of the game, that's not good. From your own perspective then, despite the rumours, are you going to continue on as if it is still going ahead? I suppose at the moment, Shane, yeah. like It's it's been very, very hard throughout the year. Like we Obviously, every county is the same, but we haven't, um, we haven't met with the girls at all we haven't had a chance to train we've had um, Zoom meetings with them we've had a couple of senior players and Brian Dowling the senior manager has come on and just to do something different with them and stuff like that but as of last week we told them to we, we gave them um, like a fitness program and to do at the start of the year but as of last Friday we told them to, to stop doing that now and just concentrate on their clubs so I suppose to answer your question in a nutshell as as far as we're concerned, we're still very, very hopeful that it will go ahead. What's like, it? I can't. I, sorry, Shane. Go no, ahead. no, no. Go ahead, Bob. I was just going to say, like, with, with, with that uncertainty, it must be kind of hard to be able to plan, like, a training session or plan a development plan and put something concrete in place because, you know, you're, you're training players to reach a certain crescendo of the season, so you don't want them coming out of the gates too early. You want them kind of reaching peak fitness at a certain time, so that must be a very hard kind of thing to balance. Of course, like that, that, and that's what I was saying earlier on. And I, I've spoken over the last couple of days. I've spoken to um, other county managers um, from other counties just to see their point of view on it. Um, you know, I always like to have your facts straight, and you know, are are my thoughts completely different than anybody else's? But like, it's like what you were say, saying there. Like these, these are these are still children. No matter like until, until like over the age of eighteen, they're still they're still children. Their their bodies are still developing. Their fitness levels are still developing. You don't want to be absolutely killing a girl um, from January to now, and for them to have no intercounty or no camogie until maybe July or August, and then potentially no intercounty at all. So yeah, it is impossible to plan. Now that's what I was saying with the camogie association. If they could just actually come out and say yes following the health guidelines with the restrictions and all like that it is our plan to run the minor inter-county championship I think that's all any county and any county management team would want they would be happy with that now we're not even looking for a date of when it's going to be played just a rough idea they put down provisional fixtures um, at the end of last year our county championship was to be played I think I think we were out, to, to the best of my knowledge, our first game was the 14th of March. So when we went back, when we met with the girls on Zoom over Christmas, we had a plan. We were able to do some sort of a plan. We got in, Donna Dunn, um, she, done, she gave them a great plan. She explained to them what they should be doing to get themselves right for them. So it was a help. When that cancelled, like, I don't think, again, you don't, it's not rocket science. We all knew that the minor championship could not go ahead this close to the leaving cert or even so, you know, but they never come out and said it's not going ahead. Yes. Yeah, so- and I know they'll say they're waiting for their government guidelines and that's fair enough. But I think if you look at the GAA, the GAA, I think, are committed to playing the under 20 and the minor championships. And all we're asking for, 
on the Camogie Association is that they come out and say, yes, we're committed to it and not bury their head in the sand and not give an answer at all. Because I think that is very, very, very unfair to the young players, one of which I was speaking to, one of, say, the county players I was speaking to at club training last night. And I would like for any member of the Camogie Association who's going to make that decision to actually, if they could have seen the look on their face when that player heard that there could be potentially no intercounty again for the second year in a row. We recently spoke to Sport Ireland's Director of Participation and Ethics, Dr Una May, and she was discussing the recent report on adolescent girls getting active and, and the drop-off rate of different girls. Have you noticed that uh, this year, because of the minor championship not being there, that there, m- there mightn't be as much of an upkeep? Or are you, no- or, or are you noticing that people are a bit more raring to go? But obviously the, the thought of a second-year cancellation, you know, that's, that's going to be very worrying because uh, of this report that says girls tend to drop off at a certain age. If they don't have a competition to compete in, that's obviously a worry going forward. It's Shane hit the nail on the edge. You couldn't. It's perfect and fair play to you for doing that research because that is. The, I, I can only speak on the Camogie Association, but that is their biggest fear. The drop off is 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 massive, absolutely massive between the ages of fourteen and eighteen. It is absolutely massive. Like there is no there is no under twenty championship in in Camogie at inter county level for some for some of these players. They might never get a chance to wear a county jersey again or play county county again. As I said, we don't want to. There's no one here giving out about anything. It's been it's been a hard time on everything and every and every sports person and and people in other ways. But all we all we want is just a little bit of joined up thinking. Like I do believe the GEA went and made contact with all the counties um, and asked them, well, did they want to, Did they want? X amount of a time of a lay, of a run into the league and extra games, or more of a run in and less games. Do you know stuff like that? It's actually it would be okay for the Camogie Association to seek the advice or even you know pick the brains of the other counties and actually see you know, can they come up with. At the end of the day, it's about putting players on the field and keeping them playing. That's that's the main thing. It's not about right now. You know, you win championships and all like that, Shane. As you know yourself, you know you start. I, I, am I right in saying you started up Castle Warren from scratch, or I was one of the people who started up Castle Warren from scratch? You wouldn't have done that. Training is fine. You need games. You need something to to move to. You need that enjoyment. You know, and that's that's where that's the worrying fact fact at the moment you need that competitive edge um, Mick thanks yeah. ever so much for, for taking the time hopefully the next time we get to speak to you is when you're about to line out on a pitch for the first time in your second tenure as Kilkenny Minor Manager but it's always a pleasure sir fingers crossed Shane and thanks very much again that was Mike Wall the Kilkenny that was Mike Wall the Kilkenny Minor Camogie Manager Next up, we'll have Alice Clark, who is the chairperson of Bagnallstown Rounders Club, on the growth of one of GEA's oldest sports. A lot of people don't know within the GEA that it is one of the four official GEA sports included in the original charter in um, 1884. So it's there from the very beginning. Um, it was played, I think, over the that length of time for a while but then it kind of went and came and went and came and in 1956 I think um, someone came across the official rules 
in the the official guide of the GAA. So it kind of revised it a bit then, and it went, it kept going, and it uh, went for a while, stopped, and it wasn't really wasn't until maybe the, the early seventies that it came back again, and that's when they um, introduced the ladies and men's championships and the minors and ladies and men's or minors men and ladies and the eighties then they introduced the minor mix and the senior mix. Uh, so from then it has progressed a good bit, you know. And what 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 I found just so mind blowing was that rounders, as we know, it is not too dissimilar to Americanized baseball, and they have a huge, massive love for major league baseball over there. Um, but that some people say it's generally accepted that it's derived from rounders in some form or another because it was played here for a couple of hundred years now, and is probably brought over to America by the early settlers. Yeah, that's what they say, that it was brought over to them, and it is, um, the origins of the baseball is based on the rounders that were established here. And, it, and the, they also said, like what you said yourself, it went over from the early settlers. They brought it over, and then obviously it originated into baseball as it is today. But our game is mostly, it is baseball, but it would be mostly associated with softball, fast pitch, because we pitch on the arm and not over arm. And clubs in general, then around Ireland, is there is there one in every every county, or is it a bit more kind of diverse than that? Like we know Bagnallstown, which is the club that you're the chairperson of, will obviously have a team. You need to be a chairperson of the team. But is there many more within the Carlow Kilkenny area, or are you just the only one leading the oh, no. leading it? Um, there is uh, three teams in Carlow: Cucullin, or um, Ballon, based in Ballon, and they're going uh, for maybe 10 years more than what we are. We are 27 years going this year. And then you had Fenna Club in Fenna, and they started about three years ago. And that's all you would have in the Carrick-Kenny region. Now, it is the wish list of the National Round Association that we would eventually have every uh, club, uh, rounders club in every GA county in Ireland. But that's a long way off, but that is uh, what you call a wish list that we would have. Um, it is it's mostly, the, the majority of clubs would be Leinster. Leinster is very strong and the, the other three provinces um, they're beginning to increase their numbers now, but Leinster would be the strongest area for founders clubs. So is it a provincial championship? Is it similar to, say, say the other forms of GEA where there's a provincial championship and then an All-Ireland championship, but Leinster then being the strongest, um, you would imagine that the provincial championship would be quite prestigious as well. Is it is it the way it's organised quite similar or due to maybe not as many teams would uh, you find that uh, it, it, there's a bit of a difference between how it's organised? Well, it used to up to... Um I think about 10, 10 years ago, it might be a bit off in that number. We did run for some championships, but it was found like that there, was, um, there wasn't enough in some of the provinces to come out. So we devised then to put into a league, an All-Ireland League, and everyone played each other at that stage. So you have all the senior teams in together. We have the senior ladies, senior men's, and the senior mixed um, championships. And they would be all going to their own separate championships and play their games. You could have maybe 10 or 11 games and you come out then to based on whatever numbers is in the competition at the time, you go to quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. But in the last, um, last year, they introduced a senior championships and for the first time ever, an intermediate championship. So we've 
progressing a little bit more to breaking up the stronger teams, basically, and introducing intermediate to give more. And is it just is it just at club level, or is there an inter-county nation? With, with, with Carlo having three clubs, is there a, an overall inter-county team, or is that something that you might be striving towards as more clubs start progressing? That's, that would be the, the wish that you would, but as it is now, it's just everyone just basically plays each other in their group. You know, you could have two groups of ten. Ten teams in each group, and then they will cross over to quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. It's not it's not individual as provincial as what the GA is, but that's the way it's done now. We hope in the future that there will be enough teams to do that. But I we do have an interprovincial um, competition that started the season where we bring all uh, teams from all the provinces in and just play and. and and is there a men's and is there a men's and ladies? Uh, is there kind of the segregation there, or is there a mixed? Uh, like, what way does it work? No, just a mix. There's a la- there's a ladies or a senior ladies, men's and mixed. So the mix comprises comprises of five men, four women, or vice versa. What the and f- they have their own type of competition, and they play as well. The mix is very strong in um, number wise. You have you have a lot more. Clubs playing in the mix because it's easier to get five. It's easier to get five men or women than to get a panel of say nine or twelve of each individual, or like eleven women to twelve women or ten, twelve men. And we're back. The mix would be very uh, competitive as well. So. And with Bagnallstown having such a, a rich history within the GEA, do you operate on the same grounds, or are you are you affiliated with the with with the Bagnallstown GEA club as a whole? So. Does that mean that you get to operate on the same grounds or is there a different jurisdiction in which you get to play? No, we affiliate to the national rounds, but we are under the GA. So we, from the very beginning, we were very welcomed into Brad Park. And so we have our training sessions there and games. We host games there as well. So it's been very good to us over the last 20-odd years. And I swear, we're, we're, in, we're in with them. But kind of not, and we're the same, the same family, but we we affiliate to the national rounders, and we still, we still govern under all the GA guidelines. And from the same as a football or hurling club, but. And from a youth perspective, then is, is there a schoolboy and school girls league, or is it all adult oriented? No, there will be juveniles, and again, the national council has introduced last year, which they didn't get to materialise because juveniles didn't get to play last year. They have introduced. Um, we would have a national fairness competition on the 13, 15 girls and boys, and then we would have on the 14 and 16 mix. But they've been to introduce individual one games competitions now, like the say on the 14 girls and on the 14 boys. So the hope that now the juveniles are back this year that they can implement all doors on the motion going forward. So there is a juvenile section to it up to 18, and we have the minors, we have minors, men, ladies, and mixed as well. And they they have their championships in themselves. And was the twenty twenty season curtailed then by by the pandemic, or did you get to run off your games? And when do you get to they, start back up for this season? They ran off the senior. They ran off the senior men's, ladies, and mixed and the intermediates had no juveniles and no minors. They didn't get, actually didn't get to finish. They got it down to a final, but they didn't actually get to play the finals. So those finals will be up. As soon as everything gets up and running, they'll be up first, and they're, they are home to live stream those games. So, all the information will go out on the social media. So, it'll be good to, if anyone wants to look at them and see what the game is like, they'll be very good finals. 
perceive um, part of the game is like. Yeah, well, I, I see that GEA Rounders Leinster are, are, are quite active themselves. The GEA Rounders page are, are quite active on social yeah. media, and I'd be very interested being a Kilkenny man myself and actually getting a baseball bat for 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 as a Christmas present to myself. It's something that I used to. I used to play rounders uh, just at recreationally with friends for for years all around the the, the fields in Lockboy, and it was a game that I loved. So I was fascinated when I seen that there was an actual huge, vibrant community that are associated with it. So when that thing comes to Kilkenny, I'd love to to be involved. Well, sure you don't have to wait till it comes to Kilkenny. You can come and join us. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you want. I don't think I could make it around. I don't think a home run or anything like that would be in my in my locker as of yet. Anyway. No, home runs are few and far between now. It's all you want to do is hit the ball and to be able to run 25 metres and you're fine. <laughs> you catch the ball when you go out for and then you're, you're okay to go. No, just just on that point, I have introduced since last year that um, all clubs can take members outside of the own county now that's just come in for us for rounders to, to boost the, the numbers. So we can we can you know, incorporate animals from outside of our own county. You don't have to be within our, our county, but there would say that if there's a local club in your in your county that you go to them first rather than go away from them. Um, but it is open to the whole of Ireland. So, so it, it you can take the 14 mile trip down from Kilkenny down to Newgrad Park. <laughs> and uh, to start to start up an actual team as well, is there a lot of kind of red tape, or do you go to your own local GEA team? Jane Stevens, the village being my local uh, GEA team, would you go to them and look to possibly start an affiliation with them? What way does it work to actually start up clubs? As you mentioned, that there's a new club in Carlo, it's only two years old at the moment. So, yeah. w- w- is there a lot of um, uh, d- different restrictions involved, or, or what would be no. the method people would go about to do it? The best way to go is, is if you will contact our own secretary, secretary.rounders.ga.ie, contact in Shane is his name, contact him and he will set you on the right road and they will help whatever way they can. They will send out people if you need someone to go and do coaching or anything with you or to just do any kind of PRO or anything like that. They will help you along the way and they'll tell you what you have to do. It's, sim- it's simple enough. It's basically the same as what any GA club is. But you would affiliate to the national rounders and just play like most clubs play within your own club then as well. Like you would club grounds and things like that. You're you're covered by the player insurance. All that, all that is covered. It's the very same. But I'll say to anyone if they're looking to to um, form a club, go onto the website and you can see all the list of all the clubs that are there. They want to contact a club that's near to them. They'll help. The, our clubs are very obliging and helping any team that wants to start up. We'll go out and give them a few tips and do a few training sessions with them and um, contact definitely contact the secretary and they'll start you on the right road then to get you going. I think there's a there's starter pack there available as well. You get a free wooden bat and litter and all that you need to get to basically get you going. Well, Alice, it sounds absolutely fascinating. I was involved in the, the setup of a rugby club out here in Kilkenny, the Normans, and a soccer club, Castle Warren. So you never know. If there's interest in Kilkenny, let us know here on scoreline 0833069696, dinnersready.ie, contact line, or sports at kclr96fm.com. If rounders is something that you'd like to see, come to Kilkenny. And of course, if you're in Carlo, you have three clubs that you can participate in. It's just absolutely fascinating. And I'll be following along the 2021 season with uh, with great interest. Alice, thank Thanks very much for talking to me. Sorry, just one. Can I just uh, 
forgot to say, there is a social rounders um, element coming into it this year as well. So, as you said yourself, you paid um, with a few friends. That's start up and running again for this year. So, if you're interested in that, contact the Secretary again for more information on it. Alice Clark from Bagnallstown Rounders. We're going to stick with a Bagnallstown theme as we chat to Bernard O'Mara, who's part of the Bagnallstown Cricket Club. He's also the new Cricket Leinster Midlands Development Officer. No, it's great to be appointed in this role, uh, especially since, um, personally, I'm a member of Bagnallstown Cricket Club, and then as well as that, it's great to be able to look to improve uh, cricket uh, within the Kilkenny Carlow area, for sure. The... The performance of the national team in cricket has really kind of brought interest from a general perspective, from a fair weather supporter perspective on cricket over the past number of years. And when you see the performance of the national league, you start your attention starts going to what's actually happening at a local level. Now you've been appointed the Midlands Development Officer for Cricket Leinster. The local level to you would be Carlow, Kilkenny, Leash, and Westmead. It, the role in itself, what does that entail? Is it just broadening the eyes on the product or is it promoting, trying to get more people in? I'm sure there's a, a lot of different things that you're going to have to uh, work on over the next year. Yeah, so there's a couple of areas uh, really. So initially uh, my role um, is to very much be uh, going into schools, looking to, to try and promote it in the area. As you've kind of alluded to already, you know, cricket isn't one of the um, most populous sports uh, in Ireland. So if we're able to look to get it into schools, then hopefully that will transfer them from schools cricket into club cricket. Um, so it's great now over the next few weeks up until the end of the school term year that uh, I'm going into schools uh, in Carlow, in Kilkenny and in Bagnallstown to be able to start doing that. Um, the other part of my role then is looking to focus on club cricket itself, looking to help them out, especially around their youth sections, just giving them tips and advice and uh, things like that, to see what best ways that they can um, improve their coaching, improve their organisation. Um, but to be fair, there's been a lot going on over the past few years, especially in Carlow and Bagnallstown. Kilkenny are looking to actually start up their youth cricket uh, come uh, next week. Um, so that that's great for them. And then the third part then really is women's cricket. Um, it's something that I'm personally very passionate about. Um, I would have coached in North Kildare for four years, between 2016 and 2019 before I started working in Sussex uh, in England. And um, I feel that it's something that's really important where um, all clubs should be looking to provide uh, cricket for not just men, but also for the other half of the population, also for women. And um, it's something that uh, I really look, want to try and get, get going even more so. Um, Carlo Cricket Club have had a little bit of women's cricket going, and Kilkenny Cricket Club are looking to set up their women's stuff too. So um, that's something that I think is, is, is really exciting for sure. When you're discussing going into schools and, and, and establishing this kind of grassroots level of, of cricket, obviously you're going to have battles with the, the other sports that I mentioned and people's other interests in it. Um, taking on board that you want uh, more female participation in the, in the sport, at a, at, at a school level, would you be looking at a mixed kind of cricket or would you be looking at somewhat just keeping them separate and developing the women's game separate to the male game or because of the battles that you would face with the likes of the GAA and soccer, would you be looking at integrating the, the two? Yeah, no, naturally with, naturally with cricket, um, you know, there wouldn't be that much difference between boys and girls cricket, certainly up to kind of a, an under 11 or even an under 13 age range. So usually whenever you'd be doing cricket sessions, that you'd have the boys and the girls playing together. 
and it's more really when they get into their teenage years, I, I guess as boys more develop uh, more than uh, girls do um, during puberty, and then you'd look to kind of separate them out after that. But certainly at a, at a, at a kid's level, it's all the same. Throw them in there, you know, all about just having fun, learning new skills, um, and then going from there, really. Is there much uh, funding from the government? We know that Sports Ireland announced a new sports package. Does that go to cricket? Because we know that it's somewhat minority sports. I'm not quite clear if, if cricket is regarded as a minority sport, but we know that inline hockey, say, in Kilkenny would be regarded and they wouldn't receive really any funding from Sporting Ireland. Has there been much funding coming from a, a national body for E? Because what really struck me when I was speaking to Ray last year was the maintenance that is required on a cricket pitch is just it's so paramount to the game the speed of the game and the different aspects of the game so it's it's integral to keep that going so obviously there's a financial implication of that do you happen to gain any funding from from the government does Cricket Ireland happen to be able to kind of spread the wealth out amongst the different jurisdictions yeah so uh, I suppose kind of in a couple of areas like any other kind of sport um, the cl- uh, a lot of clubs will be looking to um, apply for the sports capital grant and to be able to get uh, grants that way. And a lot of cricket clubs, what they tend to do is they look to invest in their grounds work, as you're kind of talking about, talking about mowers or um, rollers or uh, things like that, you know, so to be able to look to keep the ground, you know, up to, up to good standards, especially if a cricket club, say, like Bagans Town, um, use turf pitches well, um, Kilkenny or Carlow would probably look to invest more in improving their artificial turf uh, wicket. Um, and then as well as that, as I already um using uh, uh, mowers and, and rollers, you know, to, to improve the standard uh, of the grounds. Um, as well as that also, um, Cricket Ireland would get investment um, from uh, from uh, the government. Uh, however, that would be more for uh, at, a, at a high performance level. Um, but, some of it, but to be fair, uh, Cricket Ireland have been uh, giving investment, especially around the, the area of COVID last year and this year, where... Uh, Cricket Ireland, um, in conjunction with Cricket Leinster, have provided hygiene packs uh, for each club so to make sure that they are being COVID safe. And that's something that um, actually I've delivered uh, over the past couple of weeks, or over the past week actually, um, to the cricket clubs locally, you know, to make sure that they're ready come when they do start their junior cricket, which is over the next couple of weeks. With Ireland's ever-growing uh, diversity and uh, the cultures of so many different so many different cultures coming together, um, cricket yeah. obviously being a, a huge sport in the likes of the Middle East, and you see the influence happening in in the likes of Australia. I was struck when I lived in Australia for a while that cricket is is regarded almost like hurling as we regard hurling over here. So yeah. with, with with the diverse nature. Um, that Ireland have been experiencing over the past 30 years. Are you finding that there's a, a lot of foreign nationals coming over and then integrating as well and encouraging, say, people that have lived here all throughout their lives to, to come into the sport? I think that's, this is one of the unique things about cricket in Ireland where, say, me as an Irish person, I could be playing, against an Eng- or playing with an English person, a person who's uh, from Pakistan or India or Australia or South Africa, we all have different religions, have different customs, but cricket brings us all together. And I think that's something that's really unique to cricket, that you can really bring different types of communities together through the medium of cricket. To be fair, over the past 10 or 15 years, a lot of the cricket clubs that have popped up um, throughout Ireland and um, that have started would have come from uh, expat um, nationalities who... Uh, 
you settle in Ireland and then are looking to start up a cricket club. And it is really fantastic to, to have such a diversification there when you are playing your cricket so that, uh, you know, as a person that you understand, you know, the Muslim culture more or vice versa, you know. And as an example, it really does, as I said, just, just normalise everything for you and it gives you a better understanding of, of other cultures and creeds, which is, um, which is really eye-opening and I think is something that uh, is really unique to cricket. You mentioned bringing people together. Unfortunately, due to COVID-19, that hasn't really been possible over the past while throughout all the different disciplines of sports that Ireland can boast. What is the lay of the land looking like in cricket? Uh, we know that youths have been allowed to return to sport in some capacity. In other sports, maybe not so much. But is cricket, I'd, I'd imagine that the, the pitches have been open for, for the youth and then with the view of getting the adult games uh Back. Uh, we know that the pods of 15 are allowed back on uh, May 15th and then competitive games then on June 7th. Is is that the same throughout exactly, cricket? Yeah, very much so. Um, so it's great to, be, to have the announcement uh, a couple of days ago in relation to be able to, um, in, to, be able to open up a bit more, um, uh, especially for youth cricket. Um, uh, and we're looking to follow, as I said, the guidelines that have already been announced to be able to start doing training starting in May and then looking to move that on to start playing games then in June. Um, to be fair, there hasn't been any fixtures announced just because we've been just waiting, really, you know. Um, although it's been lucky, say, for cricket, that the cricket season is usually from April till September. So if we're kind of so when we're kind of starting up in June, it'll be during the cricket season anyway, which is an advantage for us. And it was an advantage for us last year compared to, say, winter sports that wouldn't have really had that opportunity. Um, and to be fair, with the people that I've been speaking to, they're just dying to get out and just start training and start playing cricket, obviously within COVID uh, guidelines and regulations. When we were speaking to Ray last year, he discussed that the fixtures was almost a, a lot more condensed. Maybe there wasn't as many fixtures proposed for the 2020 season. Uh, are you expecting the same kind of thing again or are you respecting a bit more of a return to normal fixture list? Yeah, so um, the plan for this season was to ha initially have uh, 2020 games and then moving into uh, kind of more longer uh, day format then uh, going into the season. Um, but due to COVID, uh, the regulations uh, say that uh, to only have a limited amount of time together. So probably looking to play just T20 games and uh, hopefully to have a bit more of a fuller fixture list than we did last season. Um, you know, starting in June, that still gives us the bones of three and a half months to be able to get in uh, a lot of cricket, um, so we it won't be say as per pre-COVID, but at least it'll, the expectation is that it'll be more than last year. Hopefully, all things being equal. I'd imagine then, because you're looking to promote the game and you're looking to get a grassroots football, there's a kind of an open arms policy of, of bringing people in where if, if they do have an interest in cricket. Is it is it accessible for people that maybe watch cricket but have never really had the opportunity to play it over the years or we've never really kind of thought about doing it recreationally and maybe have a bit of apprehension about joining a team because their skill level mightn't be up to much is a bit is it open to the likes of beginners or would you be kind of want to have a bit of an understanding obviously of the rules that would be very beneficial but a bit of a, a technique already or is it open arms to to novices oh listen it's open to anyone and everyone really um you know, I mean, I know when I started, you know, I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I wasn't holding the cricket back correctly, you know, that sort of way. And, you know, kind of look where I've kind of turned out, you know, that, you know what I mean? So 
Um, to me, look, it doesn't matter what kind of level that you're at. I know, say, in the Leinster Leagues, in the open competitions, there's 17, 18 divisions there. Uh, you know, so uh, even if you've, you know, you're a bit wet behind the ears with your experience with cricket, that it is, it is an issue. You'd be able to find your level, no problem. Um, you know, uh, which which is something again, which is really great for cricket. You know, one of the things that I love about it is that, especially as as a as people get older and they start having families that, you know, eventually that, you know, um, you know, fathers can play with their sons, you know, which is something that, you know, probably wouldn't happen, say, in other sports, um, which is something that's quite unique and quite um, quite beautiful that I really do enjoy about cricket. Uh, but, no, I think it's it's very much the the fact of, look, throw yourself in at the deep end and, you know, and, and give it a go and you, you'll never know what, what could become of it. And, I suppose that's what kind of happened with me and, you know, I completely fell in love with the sport and it's a, it's a career and a passion that I really have for it and, you know, that's what I want to do the rest of my life. So, you know, if I can do it, why can't somebody else do it also? Certainly. Well, thinking of the Carlow Kilkenny area, there's three teams that are operating in that that jurisdiction. You have Kilkenny Cricket Club, Bagnastown Cricket Club, and Carlow Cricket Club. They're all very active on social media, on the likes of Facebook and Twitter as well. So all very accessible yeah. for anybody out there that's looking to get involved with the game. Absolutely. Um, no, they're all they're all very good at it. Um, it's something that I know um, is is really important in in today's world that you are looking to promote yourself and and, and not being afraid to, to put yourself out there. Um, I, I, the the big thing now that uh, the clubs are really focusing on at the moment is starting their youth cricket. Um, I know Bagnastown are, are starting theirs on Friday. Uh, Carlow Cricket Club are starting theirs tomorrow, actually tomorrow morning, and Kilkenny Cricket Club are looking to start theirs uh, next weekend. Um, but yeah, no, it's just really great just just to be getting going. Really, um, I think that's 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 the big thing that are, that's been coming from members that they've been speaking to me after such a long hiatus, and I suppose we've been all kind of been stuck in during the winter, you know. And <laughs> it's just great that we're going to have those restrictions, you know, uh, having them lifted and kind of get back to some sort of normalcy, certainly. Well, Bernard, we're looking forward to covering more more cricket as uh, the season progresses. Um, we're only a, a message away, and that's out there for any sports clubs. It's sport at kclr96fm.com. We try, try and keep our eyes and ears to the ground, but if people want to be proactive and get in touch with us as well, we're more than happy to cover it, and we'd love to discuss more cricket with you along the way. No, that'll be great. Yeah, no, give us a shout any time. Um, I wouldn't mind actually just giving out a couple of numbers just in relation with um, youth cricket. So uh, in Bagnallstown, um, Clive Foote does youth cricket there. Uh, his number is uh, 087-243-8214. Um, in Carlow Cricket Club, uh, Jimmy Dooley uh, does it down there. His number is 086-7713-793. And then in Kilkenny, uh, Ed Hart would be the main person to speak to there. And his number is 85 155 Six six two nine, and as you said, Shane, and they're all active on social media. So if you drop them a message or DM them, uh, either on their Facebooks or their Twitters, and they're very good to get back to you uh, to give you information about what's going on. So uh, certainly, don't be afraid to give it a go. Anyway, for sure. That was Bernard O'Mara talking all things cricket. Next up, we have two of Carlos Golf Club captains, Michael Kerwin and Olive Borden. It's been going great, absolutely, and people are so happy to be back, and we have been locked down for so long, and we are all happy to be out and start enjoying playing our golf again. Brilliant. 
yeah, it's it's great to be able to cover it and to talk to the different disciplines of sports. We were speaking to Bernard O'Mara in regards to cricket, and we were speaking to Alice Clark yesterday in regards to Bagnellstown Rounders Club. It's great to see the vibrant life that's happening around sports again. Oh, Michael, how, how how do players go about playing at the moment? Then do they have to book their tea times online? What way is it working? Yes, we have a, a, a golf club app, so you've got to book your golf two days in advance. Uh, you will only be allowed if your only members have the facility to book. Uh, you have to, you do it in two days in advance, and that allows us to track and trace everybody who plays golf in Carla Golf Club. Uh, and on Monday we had um, over three hundred playing, and that started at eight a.m. and went on to eight p.m. So um, it was a full a full day's golf. Did it include Did it include yourself now out there on Monday? It certainly did. I was <laughs> delighted to be out there. So, Olive, uh, the course has obviously then been awash with people wanting to get back out and play some golf after such a long closure. Yes, um, our timesheets are full. Uh, we have eight minutes between tea times, so social distancing and all guidelines have been strictly adhered to. We arrive, play, depart without delay. That's our motto, and everybody is enjoying it. Do you think then overall, uh, considering the amount of numbers that you have people that are so interested in getting back to the sport, and I've even noticed it from a soccer perspective, I have guys messaging me going, when can we get back? Or people who have been out of the lurch for a few years, and maybe some that have taken the sport for granted. Michael, do you think that the pandemic has had somewhat of a positive effect on the club in the sense that more people want to get back out and play? Or has it had the opposite effect as people might be a bit more apprehensive maybe about going back considering the current climate? Uh, no, it, to be honest, it was the opposite. People were pent up, mad to get back. You know, there's only so much painting and gardening you can do and <laughs> tripping up each other at home here. So I think everyone was just glad to get back out playing and the numbers show that, you know. It's, it, it's more than golf. It's getting out for a chat with your friends and Golf is much more than uh, the competitive side of things, you know. It's um, it's the break we all need, and it's the outlet. It's it's all about outlets in life, you know. It's, it's certainly like people kind of go on about the positive effects that uh, fitness and has on uh, someone's mental health, but the social aspect is a huge part of sport. Even something like golf, where it's a very kind of singular thing in that you're playing for yourself, but you're doing it around different groups. Olive, have you noticed that there's been a particular age group that have come back maybe in bigger numbers? Well, actually, Sean, all, um, Shane, all age groups are more than happy to be back. Our online timesheets, like Michael said, are very accommodating. Members who are not working are asked to play in the morning and afternoon before 4 o'clock to leave it free then for people that members who are working. And this system is very fair and all members are working very well with it together. And you mentioned everybody a chance. You, Sorry? you mentioned members there, um, Olive. Are, are, is it just members now that are currently allowed to play at the course for the moment? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Members only. Members only up to next Monday, I think the tenth, Monday week actually, the tenth. Oh, so there is there is something on the horizon where you there can is kind of something on the on the horizon. Yes, there is. Yep. And, fant- and, and from your own mm-hmm. perspective, then being the captain of Carlo Golf Club. Um, from a lady's point of view, has the sport been growing over the last number of years? Yes, actually, it has. We have, um, in Carlo, we have our Carlo um, Guests into Golf, which is a very successful program that has been running for the last six years. Uh, The success of the program is uh, thanks to the support and assistance from the ladies' club. 
and this allows us then to deliver a programme in an organised, safe and fun way. Our club professional, Damien, has uh, also contributed in a big way to the success of the programme. It's an inexpensive uh, way to uh, play golf. And also we have, for the ladies, we have a body system arranged when those new ladies come on board after their lessons so that they'll have a lady out with them, an experienced golfer, to take them around the course and help them out. And um, we also have a, a juvenile programme as well. So, and we have our juvenile um, convener. So we have coaching lessons and activities um, organised for the juveniles, which we hope will be able to start in July. So that's a fun way for the children to start learning. And this year also with um, Golf Ireland, we're working with them with the CARA and Disability Sport Northern Ireland for Golf for All. Um, is seeking to encourage greater accessibility for golfers with disabilities open the sports, become inclusive, and embrace new players and their families. And in this regard, it will get more people involved and offer more opportunities for anybody with a disability. So Carlo Golf Club are organizing Golf for All this year and are planning to develop a program similar to the Ladies Get Into Golf with the assistance of volunteers, which we're always blessed to have lots of volunteers in Carlo to help out. That's why we're such a great club. That's fantastic. It sounds like there's a lot of proactive things been going on there. Oh, absolutely. Yes, there is. Yeah, everybody is so good, so helpful, and a lot of work going on in the clubhouse and all the rest, clean whatever. It's brilliant, yes. And, and speaking of work, Michael, like there's obviously two golf courses there with the Deer Park course and the Oak Park course. How much actual work has gone in then to maintaining the greens and maintaining the courses while golf has been put on hold? It really struck me when I was speaking with Eddie Scally, who manages the Gorham Park uh, race course. Obviously, renowned for horse racing but has also the, the the course there and he was just telling me about the kind of the work that needs to be put in to maintain it uh, obviously now that's double for yourselves with your two courses so I'd imagine a lot of work has still been going on behind the scenes yeah behind the scenes um, like the green staff have never stopped working and uh, during the lockdown they were working away with six full-time green staff and they're looking after 200 and nearly 250 acres 165 acres on the Deer Park course and 70 acres on the Oak Park. So it's, it's, a, it's a massive undertaking, a massive job. And every winter we have a winter program to try and uh, implement the changes and the improvements to the course. And that continued this year. Uh, like we have uh, our, our head greenkeeper, Tony Pender, did fantastic work. And Toss Hennessy, uh, Toss is a brother of Brendan there who is doing the commentary for you. Toss is our conveyor on the Greens Committee. He does huge work. So um, these Hennessy's are great for chatting and talking. So uh, Brendan and Toss have a lot in common. Yeah, well, I, I can attest to Brendan's talking abilities anyway. <laughs> um, in general then, Michael, is, is the club, in, in it sounds like it anyway, is in a really healthy position coming towards hopefully what is the end of this pandemic? Yeah, financially we're, we're probably in a better position than a lot of clubs. Uh, and in fairness, uh, it's down to the support we got from our membership, where most of our subs have been collected at this stage. And our subs make up 70 75% of our income. But at least 25%, uh, which we're going to have to um, try and make up from societies and green fees in a shortened period of time, plus the bar and restaurant have been closed. But uh, we have a treasurer, Michael Ryan, who keeps a very tight uh, rein on the financial purse, and uh, 
the amount of work he puts in is is extraordinary and um it will be a challenge this year is going to be a challenge for us but when you have the membership behind you uh, anything is possible so what is the lay of the land looking like for you now olive are you going to be out on the green all next week or is there a few days for yourself that you'll get to put around Oh, well, I'll be playing. I surely will, yes. I haven't missed a day since we started back. Um, so we'll soon be back to our 18 holes as well. And like Michael said, we're looking forward to having our open days and our green fees coming in. And, and, that's and the... our ladies and gents competitions and our Friday mix. We have a lot then and hopefully we'll be able to have our outdoor dining as well. And, and that's the, the thing as well, because when you're mentioning opening days, obviously membership mm-hmm. is, is ever-evolving and it's always encouraging, I'd imagine, Michael. Yes, um, it is. We're we're open for membership at the moment, but uh, in the last few years, you can see the big change where an awful lot of young people are getting into golf. Like golf had a name for being an old man's sport, but that's no longer the case. It's lovely to see all the youngsters playing, and there's a huge amount of young girls getting involved, and that's what Carla Golf Club lacked for many a year. Uh, the, Trying to keep them then is the big thing. You get youngsters to an age of 16 and then they're distracted by other things. But um, if you can keep them on the structures, they are there now in place to, to uh, hold on to these young people with great volunteers out in the club. So um, it's all looking good now, in fairness. Well, we sincerely hope here at KCLR that the course continues to flourish the members continue to enjoy themselves and as you said the 18 holes get to open up very soon and we'll have some competitions to report on here on KCLR Michael Olive thank you ever so much for your patience first of all and for your time just there in regards to the interview thank you it's been a pleasure thanks very much Shane and thanks to thanks to KCLR for the support it means a lot to us at Carla Golf Club That was Michael Kerwin and Olive Bowden from Carlow Golf Club. Finally, we have Colm Cronin on an action-packed NFL draft. We went all night on, on Thursday night, uh, Friday Friday night. Fortunately, it did end um, at a reasonable hour, about 11 last night. So I was able to finally catch up on some sleep. Well, as someone who is a big fan of professional wrestling, I know all about having to stay up until the wee hours of the morning to get my fix of wrestling. But the NFL, I watched the Super Bowl there recently, once again, up till the wee hours of the morning. And then you have media obligations as well. So you must be a bit tuckered at this stage. Um, yeah, I suppose you're feeling it a little bit, um, you know, because we're out the other side of it. But it really was um, an amazing few days. There, there was just such a, a buzz of activity. We we had the, the Aaron Rodgers uh, story break just on the, the eve of, of the draft, just literally hours beforehand. Then there was the, the all the trade that kind of went on. So there have been like so many different storylines, so much happening over the, the past few days. So there really hasn't kind of been um, time to, to, to really even think about sleeping because you're trying to process what has happened and then kind of look, look forward to, okay, so that's round one. What's going to happen in round two and three? It's seven rounds um, over the course of the three days. So there, there is reflection. There's looking ahead, um, all sorts going on. Um, last week when we discussed the upcoming draft, which is now in full throw, you're probably towards the last picks now, um, but you mentioned that quarterback, quarterbacks for the first time really in history are going to be the main people that are going to be picked up and they're going to be within the first few draft picks. Did your prediction prove correct? 
Yeah, for for certainly the the first three picks were all were all quarterbacks. We knew um, what the the first two picks were going to be that uh, Trevor Lawrence would be making his way down to Jacksonville. The Zach Wilson, Broadway uh, Zach, as he has been dubbed on the New York tabloids already. The Mormon kid goes to to the big city. Uh, and then the, I suppose everyone was waiting to see the draft really begin. Pick number three. We had seen the San Francisco 49ers give up a, a huge haul in the, the lead up to the draft to move up to that number three pick. A lot of speculation what they were going to do. Their head coach, Kyle Shanahan, gave a press conference where he was asked if his current starting quarterback would still be on the roster come um, the the end of the draft. And he gave this real philosophical answer saying, I can't tell whether any of us will even be alive on, on Sunday um, <laughs> as a way to avoid answering. But they ended up taking um, the, the very young, very raw, but extremely talented Trey Lance at, at quarterback. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they can shape and mold him. So those first three picks were, were quarterbacks. What happened then was we, we saw um, uh, some of the other quarterbacks slide, particularly Justin Fields. And Justin Fields was, if we'd been talking, Shane, maybe even six months ago, Justin Fields was the 1B to Trevor Lawrence's 1A. But over the past few months, stock seems to have slipped. Um, But he ended up going to the Chicago Bears. Um, So the Bears who have wanted a a quarterback, they have, even though they won, and, and people might be familiar with, um, the William the Refrigerator Perry from the 80s and that Bears team actually came over to, to London um, and were kind of the, at the, the vanguard of the NFL, the global expansion. But they, even on that team, they didn't have a great quarterback. They're, the Bears fans are really excited. They have to give away a, a first round pick next year and a fourth. But they feel they have their, their franchise guy, their quarterback of the future in Justin Fields. And then, the other, Matt Jones, went to the Patriots. The Patriots have been looking for a replacement for Tom Brady ever since he went down to the Tampa Bay Bucks. They, there was a lot of speculation they may have to move up to, to get him. In the end, they didn't. So um, we, we saw five quarterbacks go in the, the first round, uh, in the first 15 picks, uh, which is uh, considerable. And, and it tells you that the kind of weight of... Uh, the quarterback position now. So these guys will go also from earning nothing uh, while they're in college. College players aren't paid to Trevor Lawrence, um, the number one pick, will sign a contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars worth roughly $37 million. Uh, and uh, he'll, he'll average out at a, a around about $6.5 million a year for, for the next few years. That's not too bad, I suppose. Uh, you mentioned William the Fridge Perry. I would remember him now more so for being in the Battle Royal at WrestleMania 2, as I said, a pro wrestling fan. And there's a rich history between uh, uh, NFL and, and WWE. Of course, the XFL that Vince McMahon tried to get established. You had uh, mm-hmm. uh, you had um, LT in the main event of WrestleMania 11. Brock Lesnar trying to uh, get into the NFL himself after stepping away. Yeah, so yeah. There's, a, there's a massive, huge history there. Um, in terms of the grading for certain teams, I've seen online that maybe the LA Raiders and the New Orleans Saints, their picks haven't been very well received in comparison to other teams. 
Yeah, so so the Raiders are, are an interesting case study because um, they um, brought John Gruden back on a 10-year, $100 million contract uh, a few years ago. And uh, Gruden and um, his general manager there, Mike Mayock, are, are a bit of a wild card. They always... They, when when people when the rest of the, the league zigs, they zag. Um, so this year, uh, with the number seventeen pick, they went with Alex Leatherwood, who is uh, a right tackle out out of Alabama. Um, a lot of people felt that he they they overreached for him. Now in, in later rounds, they seem to maybe picked up so, some talent, but this is what what they tend to do. And for the the Saints, yeah, your your research is right. Uh, Mel Kuyper, who is kind of one of the the godfathers of the draft, and and everyone looks to him beforehand to see you know what his uh, kind of uh, recommendations are. He was very unimpressed by what the Saints did. It, it's difficult for them because they they have they've lost their their starting QB Drew Brees, who was an absolute legend uh, there, and because of the cap situation. Uh, with the salary cap, you know, you can only spend so much and sometimes player teams have to cut players just to, to get under the, the salary cap. So they have lost uh, a huge number of, of players. So they've been able to bring some some people in, but I think that the concern is that the talent that they picked over the last three days, it just, those guys won't be ready to start come September when the league uh, kicks off again. When you're looking at the NFL Obviously, the Super Bowl champs are going to be a big point of uh, interest. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, almost uh, a relatively high pick, second round. Uh, they brought in another quarterback, Kyle Trask, and it, I don't think there's any evidence that Tom Brady is going to retire anytime soon. Was that a bit of a, uh, a and round? They also like was that a bit of a a surprise to the people involved in the NFL that they would kind of use such a high pick on someone that was going to be behind Tom Brady. Yeah, a little bit that they went so high because um, certainly Brady seems to have no intention of slowing down. I mean, he, by all accounts, he may he may push on for another two, if not three years. And um, it, so I suppose for for them to bring in Kyle Trask, who who people do race reasonably highly, but he's he's only going to ever sit on the bench unless Brady gets. Um, gets injured, and um, that's you're you're paying, I suppose, a, a premium to bring in a guy that high, who you know will will only ever sit sit on the bench. So that was a little bit surprising for them, but they um, they, they were so good in free like in free agency in terms of bringing their their players back. Um, so really, they didn't have a huge number of holes to, to fill going into this draft. Um, last year, they drafted really well. Um, this year, yeah, people are kind of wondering, but it would be very difficult for any young player to break into that, that Bucks team. And and the thing I suppose, Shane, is w- everything right now is on potential. We're grading and purely off of potential. We're saying this team had a great draft. This team maybe didn't do so well in in. A year's time, that might all look very different. And I think for for fans, uh, sometimes if when you have really high hopes, or other fans, if you're despondent because you you feel your team didn't uh, draft particularly well, that could look very different come kind of week ten of, of the season. Um, that transition to the league is so difficult because. As I said, these guys are suddenly getting you know millions of dollars for the first time. Will they remain motivated? Will they want to show up? We know all of a sudden you know they're out of maybe that structured college environment. 
sometimes that temptation to party. Um, Ryan Leaf is probably the you know one of the ultimate examples of, of that a guy who went second only to, to Peyton Manning in the 1998 draft. Uh, but he said himself he just spent the time partying. So instead of studying plays, instead of preparing, he was just out partying all the time because you know he had this newfound fame and he had the, the money and he was away from home. So that transition is very difficult. And these guys have been superstars in many um, cases since they were in high school. They've been lauded since you know they were 12 years of age. And all of a sudden, they're going to go into these locker rooms where you know guys are, are a lot older, a lot more experienced, and they are, are you know all the spotlight might not be on them. They have to earn that respect. They have to earn that um, you know the, the opportunity to become a leader. So it really, it, it's fascinating and it's great because you see the interaction of fans on sh- social media. You see the excitement of fans and players. I mean, some of the videos of guys getting picked and talking to their new head coach or the new general manager and the excitement is palpable. And that's what's so brilliant about the draft is that every year it allows for that renewed optimism. Um, but it will probably look very different uh, come, you know, as I said, the, the midpoint even of the, the season. And uh, just kind of uh, wrapping up there, Colin, as, I, as I'm aware, you have a show later on tonight, a review show, and we'll give out the details of that in a second. But Cleveland Browns have been regarded as been doing quite well, especially considering they maybe had a bit of a later pick. I believe they they were in round one, they got 26, but they seem to have filled a lot of needs with some high-end starters in the first few rounds. Yeah, the, the Browns um, are, are a really interesting case study because they were such a joke for such a long time and they, they brought in um, you know quarterback after quarterback because they were always picking so high. And so they, they kept swinging on, on quarterbacks, but they brought in Baker Mayfield uh, a few years ago. They brought in a head coach last year, uh, Stefanski, who came across from um, Minnesota where he'd done a great job on the offense. And... They have really, um, you know, their team is really, really impressive now. Um, Miles Garrett is one of the, the finest pass rushers in, in the game. Um, and in free agency, they brought in Clowney. So they didn't have a huge number of holes to, to fill. In the first round, they went with Greg Newsom, who's a, a cornerback. He's an outstanding kind of 2020 season. Um, so to, to bring him in, um, there, there's a feeling that, you know, they, you cannot have enough corners in the NFL um, because they're, they're so important. They're like uh, the, the fullbacks in, uh, in, in football are hurling. So they're really, really important in terms of stopping the, the opposition. And they probably um, had the, the steal of, of the draft. Uh, at pick number 52, they got a linebacker, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, out of Notre Dame. And nobody seems to be able to understand why exactly he fell that far. He is an outstanding player. He's got speed. He plays sideline to sideline, as, as they say. I mean, um, he, he would be, um, I suppose, for, for people listening, he would be the quintessential midfielder of, of sorts, uh, you know. So he would be a, a Dermot Connolly type or, 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 or uh, you know, if you're looking for somebody who could do it all, maybe a Tommy Walsh, um, that sort of figure. So for him to drop to 52, the Browns really picked up a great piece there. So you would expect them to build on last season. And that's, we could be talking about the Browns being, you know, in the playoffs and potentially a Super Bowl contender. Whereas just a few years ago, everybody was laughing at the Browns and they were 
the example of what not to do. So you can really turn it around in the NFL if you get the right people in charge and you you do well in the draft. I like the Tommy Walsh reference. You know your audience, certainly, sir. <laughs> um, you have a show coming up now uh, today, tonight, is it? You have the review show. Um, is That is going to be strictly online. It's not going to be on Virgin Media like it was on Wednesday. No, we, we, we were fortunate to, um, to to be on Virgin Media on, on Wednesday, and uh, the response to, to that was fantastic. So we we appreciate really all the support and people reaching out and, and getting in touch. Um, obviously, that's something we, we would love love to see as somebody who uh, who grew up with that. And it's funny you were talking about um, the 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 fridge uh, earlier on um, in in RT's last coverage of, of a Super Bowl. Uh, Dickie Rock was was wondering why he had that nickname. Was it because <laughs> he was so cool? Uh, that's one of the famous clips. But no, tonight we it's just a review show. Uh, but we have uh, Paul Hosford uh, from the Irish Examiner, who people might know as a as a journalist there. But he's actually a big NFL fan, and uh, we have a, a couple of beat writers coming on with us to, tonight. Um, Jimmy McBride from the the Boston Globe, uh, who is a beat writer on the, on the Patriots. Uh, and then uh, we've Larry Holder, who writes with the Athletic. He's a beat writer on the the Saints. Uh, so th- we'll be live uh, from 10 p.m. Uh, this evening. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, um, IrishNFLShow.com. You can Google it. You can find our our website out there as well. And we just we love to to interact with fans. So please do um, reach out, get in touch, and um, say hello. Uh, let us know your your thoughts on on the the draft, or if you want to know more about the game, you're new to it, you think this sounds intriguing, get in touch because there's loads of brilliant people around the country as well doing stuff at a local level. So uh, it's I think it's a really exciting time for the the game in Ireland. Well, kudos to all the out there and raising recognition of the sport here. As I said last week, I know people that were involved uh, when they were in college up in Maynooth and in Dublin and stuff involved with different uh, teams on a recreational basis. So kudos to all the and all the work that you're putting in. Uh, you mentioned William the Fridge Perry. Uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say one of the best nicknames in all of the sport is when Giovanni Trapattoni called Richard Dunn a, a wardrobe. And that was probably my personal favourite. But Colin, thanks ever so much and we'll chat to you again soon, no doubt. Thanks very much, Shane. for Scoreline Extra. If you like what you hear, you can tune in live on KCLR from 2 to 6 every weekend. We have a whole range of podcasts always being released every week on Scoreline. Whether you like GAA, MMA, rugby or football manager, check out scoreline.ie. For now, I've been Shane O'Keefe. Stay safe, stay sane.